Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and 2022 starts the third year of this podcast and corresponding blog. I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament prophets, revealing how Bible prophecies that were written 700 years before Christ predict not just what was going to happen back then, but what happened when Jesus came. They even predict the end times and last days that are coming true right now. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Hey, new year, new life. Let's dig in. Are you a born-again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please. Let me know if it helped you. Jeremiah 52, the last recap, the destruction that happened when God judged Jerusalem. Solomon's temple in Jerusalem was the most holy place in all of Israel. Built to God's specification by the most skilled craftsmen using the best materials from all over the Middle East. Unfortunately, some bad kings didn't honor God's laws for worship and sacrifice, and they defiled the temple with pagan idols of fake gods. They disobeyed the first four commandments. And if you're not sure what those are, you can click on over to my blog and I have a link to that. And those first four commandments were all about God. In this final chapter of Jeremiah's book, he writes a historical account of the last Babylonian invasion, the burning of the temple and the plundering of the temple treasures. Let's dig in. Jeremiah 52, the fall of Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah, not the chain of Jeremiah, from Libna. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. These things happened because of the Lord's anger against the people of Jerusalem and Judah until he finally banished them from his presence and sent them into exile. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So on January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, which is 588 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th, the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, which was 586 BC, the famine in the city had become very severe, and the last of the food was entirely gone. 
Then a section of the city wall was broken down and all the soldiers fled. Since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, they waited for nightfall. Then they slipped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden and headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased Zedekiah and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his men had all deserted him and scattered. They captured the king and took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, which is in Syria. There, the king of Babylon pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as he slaughtered his sons. He also slaughtered all the officials of Judah at Riblah. Then he gouged down Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains. And the king of Babylon led him away to Babylon. Zedekiah remained there in prison until the day of his death, the temple destroyed. On August 17th of that year, which is 586 BC, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard and an official of the Babylonian king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed the important buildings in the city. Then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took as exile some of the poorest of the people the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon and the rest of the craftsmen. But Nebuzaradan allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind to care for the vineyards and fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple and the bronze water carts and the great bronze basin called the sea. And they carried all the bronze away to Babylon. And if you want to take a, a, a click on over to my blog, take a look and see what this actually looked like. I found a, um, a picture of a replica of the temple. Um, they also took all the ash buckets, the shovels, the lamps, snuffers, basins, dishes, and all other bronze articles used for making sacrifices at the temple. The captain of the guard also took the small bowls, incense burners, basins, pots, lampstands, ladles, bowls used for liquid offerings, and all the other articles made of pure gold or silver. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea with the 12 bronze oxen beneath it and the water carts was too great to be measured. These things had been made for the Lord's temples in the days of King Solomon. Each of the pillars was 27 feet tall and 18 feet in circumference. They were hollow with walls three inches thick. The bronze capital on top of each pillar was seven and a half feet high and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around. There were 96 pomegranates on the sides and a total of 100 pomegranates on the network around the top. It's an intricate design. Nebuzaradan. The captain of the guard took with him as prisoners Sariah, the high priest, Zephaniah, the priest of the second rank, and the three chief gatekeepers. 
and from among the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer who had been in charge of the Judean army, seven of the king's personal advisors, the army commander's chief secretary, who was in charge of recruitment, and 60 other citizens. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them all to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had them all put to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their land. The number of captives taken to Babylon in the seventh year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, which is 597 BC, was 3,023. Then in Nebuchadnezzar's 18th year at 586 BC, he took 832 more. In Nebuchadnezzar's 23rd year, 581 BC, he sent Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, and who took 745 more, a total of 4,600 captives in all. Hope for Israel's royal line. In the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiakim of Judah, evil Merodach ascended to the, Babylon, uh, the Babylonian throne. He was kind to Jehoiakim and released him from prison on March 31st of that year, that's 561 BC. He spoke kindly to Jehoiakim and gave him a higher place than all the other exiled kings in Babylon. He supplied Jehoiakim with new clothes to replace his prison garb and allowed him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. So the Babylonian king gave him regular, a regular food allowance as long as he lived. This continued until the day of his death. And that is the end of the book of Jeremiah. So here are some key points. God warned the Jews over and over again, but they wouldn't listen. So God had the Babylonians destroy Jerusalem and the Jews were exiled for 70 years in Babylon. King Zedekiah tried to escape, but was caught and he had to deal with the consequences of disobedience. Jeremiah told him to go peacefully to Babylon and nothing would happen to him, but no, he had to try and flee. That's what happens when you trust in yourself and don't trust God fully. Who do you trust? The Babylonians deported the craftsmen so they couldn't rebuild the city or the temple. They took the best of the best of Judah's citizens and left the poorest of the poor to tend the vineyards. A remnant escaped to Egypt, disobeying God yet again, and faced his wrath once more when Babylon invaded Egypt. The sacred temple treasures became loot, the spoils of war, plunder, when the temple was sacked. So there were three invasions in 605, 597, and 586 BC. And there were three deportations in 597, 586, and 581 BC. And we will be reading the stories of two of God's prophets who were exiled, Daniel, who was taken in the first deportation, and Ezekiel, who was taken in the second. So subscribe so you don't miss out, and we start Ezekiel tomorrow. What about the royal lineage of King David from whom Jesus comes? It is preserved by the release of Jehoiakim, and Pastor Sandy explains. Jewish tradition says that when God struck the proud Nebuchadnezzar with madness, and we can, we'll find out about that when we get to the book of Daniel, evil Merodach usurped his father's authority. When Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses, he punished his son. He had evil Merodach 
thrown in prison where he met Jehoiakim. They became friends. When evil Merodach succeeded his father and took the throne, the new king remembered his Jewish pal. <clears throat> Thus, the royal lineage of David is kept going. Um, in 1939, an archaeologist named Wiedner was sifting through rubble at the site of the ancient hanging gardens in Babylon. He found a, a cuneiform tablet listing the yearly allotments of oil and grain to different kings, and one was to Jehoiakim, king of the land of Judah. It was confirmation of what Jeremiah tells us here. Today, this tablet is on exhibit in a Berlin museum, and it's another example of how the archaeologist shovel always proves the Bible's historical reliability. And then that's from um, Pastor Sandy Adams. And if you want to um, watch the whole video on, uh, on the study of this chapter, you can click on over to my blog and there's a link there. Now here's some lessons learned the hard way. God hates idolatry. So stop worshiping dead people and non-existent gods Material things, celebrities, money, fame, status, career, comfort, convenience, pride, etc. Repent and submit your life to Jesus. God keeps his promises. He said there would be a king in the royal lineage of David, and Jesus was born. He is our savior. Salvation is found only through Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus will reign in the new Jerusalem. That is our confident hope. And he warns his people and us to repent over and over again. If you don't repent, you face judgment. It's that simple. So now that we're done with Jeremiah, we're going into Ezekiel. But if you want to keep reading and other studies, I have study in the Gospel of Matthew, which um, just celebrates um, that Jesus is the Messiah and the book of Hebrews which if you've been following our Old Testament study here, then the book of Hebrews will make a lot of sense because it's written to the Hebrews explaining that Jesus is the Messiah. And then the book of Romans also by Paul is, is a, a very good book explaining how all of this works, how, how the, we're saved by grace and the Jew first and then the Gentile and all that stuff. So it's a really, really good study there. But as it all comes down to, if you're, if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven after you die and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which can happen at any moment, what you have to do is believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. You need to repent of your sins, stop sinning, do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized and show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and confident hope of eternal life. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. And before I sign off tonight, um, I happen to notice that I've got several listeners from Ukraine, and I just want to let you know that I am praying for you people 
uh, the last thing you need is Russia coming in there. But seek God, and God help you. Again, solideo gloria, to God alone be the glory. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version, or NKJV, and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen three study Bibles that will be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times, but know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. 
and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.